I'm Wayne, and this is my Iron Maiden podcast, sponsored by Gateway Supermarket. It's right up your street. On these shows, I look at the songs of Iron Maiden and how they influenced me growing up as a boy in 1980s and 1990s Birmingham. This week, we're looking at a song called Public Enema Number One, which is track four on the No Prayer for the Dying album. Last week, I looked at track three, which was the title track called No Prayer for the Dying, and I had some feedback about the show. I had several complaints about the team's call I had with Pterodactyl Mark, and it wasn't the sort of complaints I was expecting. People said things like, it would have been nice to hear his views, and it was rude to cut him off. So yeah, a few negative comments about that, but that's life on the internet, isn't it? Conversations don't go how you want them to. It's different rules. I remember finding this out years ago, in the days of dial-up, when he'd spend hours in a chat room talking to a stranger, maybe revealing secrets. It was quite easy to talk to people there. I didn't have to ask the time to get girls to speak to me. You just type in ASL, and away you went. ASL stood for Age, Sex, Location. So as an introduction, I type in 23M, Birmingham, and M is for male, of course. I remember being quite excited when someone said, 20, yes please, UK. Now, they said yes please as a funny joke for the sex bit, and I thought I might lose my virginity. Um, After about an hour, though, I found out it was a man pretending to be a woman, so it was a trap and a harsh lesson. And it led to my hardline stance today on data protection and vigilance around online scams. Anyway, the point of all this is that in those chat rooms, conversations ended properly. Different time. People said goodbye. Or they typed goodbye. Nowadays on Facebook Messenger, people send messages and you answer. And then that's it for days. There's no message goodbye. Or they might ask you, is that Star Trek DVD still for sale? And I say, yes it is. And then nothing. They never follow it up. So it's a bit like that man who tweeted, where do I begin? Uh, you know, about title tracks. And then nothing happened. Nothing began. It's everywhere. So Pterodactyl Mark has to learn this like I had to. Now it wasn't all complaints. And, and also on the subject of Pterodactyl Mark, I had a message from Laurie McMenema. And he asked if he could hear Pterodactyl Mark and Bruce side by side. Now you may remember, I I got Pterodactyl Mark to sing I've Got Nothing to Lose in a raspy type vocal. So yeah, okay, well that's a good idea. Let's hear how it sounds. You've got nothing to lose. There you go. Now I also had a message from Jim on Twitter, and uh, this is from me talking about school dinners. And he asked, did I prefer pink custard or yellow custard? And this is a good question. And probably I enjoyed pink custard more in those days because it didn't appear as much, so it was like a special treat. It also looked quite aesthetically pleasing when it was poured over chocolate crunch, which was also known as chocolate concrete. Pink and brown, yeah, quite nice in the bowl. Now chocolate concrete was 14 pence, which was good because other puddings were 16 pence, so this gave me extra spending power on my free dinner ticket. I don't think I had to pay extra for custard either. So I wouldn't know if pink was more valuable or not. Nowadays, I normally have yellow custard, if you're making notes. 
Anyway, on to this week's show. And yeah, you may have noticed the title was quite unusual. Public Enema Number One. Now, it sounds like Public Enemy, doesn't it? They've just changed a letter. And Public Enemy were a hip-hop band around the time. But this song isn't about them. Public Enemy Number One is also a phrase. And uh, yeah, I knew about that. I knew about enemies. At my old school, Public Enemy Number One was Thomas Spencer. Or even Caroline Blissett. But they didn't go to the new big boy school. So I needed a new Public Enemy Number One. And there he was. Simon Rafferty. He was there, like a new suitor for Fiona Gregory. And I didn't like it. He used to talk to her at playtime, and she'd laugh at him and play with her hair. But she'd actually laugh at his jokes, rather than him or his trousers. I didn't like this, as I said, so I tried to get tips on how to speak to girls by watching TV shows like Grange Hill and Biker Grove, and reading the Osborne book of growing up. It was difficult. I felt like I had to be a new person, uh, maybe go away and come back with a different face, but still be Wayne. A bit like Toby Mangle in Neighbours when, when they changed actors who played him and they hoped nobody would notice. But I couldn't do this. I decided the best way to do this was to get a haircut. But I'm going to talk about that another time because I'm conscious time's cracking on and I want to talk about the song. And you're here to listen about Iron Maiden, not my haircut. So yeah, the title, changing the letter enemy to enema yeah might be uh, a bit silly in hindsight maybe it's the worst song title by Iron Maiden people might cringe about it I'll discuss enemy or enemas or whatever the plural is later now the song begins with that Nico laugh you might remember I mentioned that last week I thought it might have been the end of the previous song No Prayer for the Dying because when you listen to the album as a whole it's not clear where it fits in But if you just play this song on its own or start with it, then you hear that laugh at the beginning. And of course, if it was at the end of No Prayer for the Dying, then it wouldn't appear, would it? After this, the song kicks in pretty much straight away. Nice instant impact. And the guitar is a bit like from a TV theme tune. It's a bit old school Maiden, which is good. And it just avoids being cheesy. It's music to run down the street to. I can imagine it as a soundtrack and as it ends I'd I'd be looking back at the camera pointing with a knowing look or or thumbs up. It's a good atmosphere and when Bruce comes in there's there's a nice menace to it and intent and and this is summed up by the theme of the song. So let's have a look at the lyrics. It It starts with when it all comes down the line and the lights they turn to greed. Now that's strange isn't it? Surely the lights should be turning to green, not greed. There's more of these changing letters at the end of of a word. I wondered what they were playing at. Had they been doing this for a long time and I'd not noticed? I thought maybe I should go back and look at all the songs. But luckily I wanted to hear the rest of this song first. So yeah, there is a a reference to cars because the next bit talks about racing with tyres. So it's a bit like Formula One, isn't it? Um, So yeah, racing in a car and greed. Um, But it's at the end of the verse where you realise what it's all about because it talks about people choking with poison. So it's hinting that the people in these expensive cars are polluting us. As I said, it's a good tempo, but then it seems to slow down for the chorus when the lyric is... So this suggests there's quite a bit wrong with society. 
and we need to sort it out. I said it's slower, but of course the tempo's the same. But I think people are fed up with me talking about this syllables per second theory, so I won't mention it. So what's going on then? Let's have a look at the lyrics in the second verse, which help clear it all up. There's tension. The line is, in the cities, in the streets, there's a tension you can feel. So that's got echoes of the song Sea of Madness, where on the street the fires are burning and there's chaos and disorder. And there's a nice echo on the word riots to emphasise it. It goes, riots, riots, riots. So I don't know if it's an echo effect used by Martin Birch or whether it's Bruce moving away from the microphone slowly as he repeats the word riots. But anyway, it's good. I like that bit. Now behind all this is the press and the politicians. They're the people being attacked here. And that's a theme we've looked at before. It says, the politicians gamble and lie to save their skins. And the press get fed the scapegoat. Public enema number one. So, whatever your views, you can probably see that this is relevant today as well. It's not like Evangelists, which was perhaps more relevant at the time of the album. We don't hear about that so much. But politicians and the press, that's still a problem. Politicians lying to save their skins. That's quite a topical theme in the UK right now. I mean, I don't want to get into that too much, but maybe there's issues in your country. Perhaps there always is. We also hear the title here, not in the chorus. Public enema number one. Now, an enema is a medical term. It's like an injection of fluid into the lower bowel, through the rectum. And the rectum is your bottom. So maybe to the press and politicians, we, the public, are needed. Because even though we're a pain, like an enema, they need us to survive. Also, maybe like an enema. So yeah, without us, they wouldn't sell any papers or vote them in. So yeah, you might wonder if I see you as an enema, the listener. You know, that you think, oh, Wayne needs us to survive. Because, you know, without us listening, there'd be no podcast. But uh, maybe that's a bit of a similarity. But you're not a pain, like an enema. Not all of you, anyway. Uh, maybe there's some relief with an enema, you know, when you, f- you feel it. Not a kinky relief, I mean, you know, the, the sort of after effects. There's a relief that you're listening to the podcast. Um, but yeah, there's still some pain, I suppose, with some of the Twitter comments I get. M- maybe you could look at it that the scapegoats, because they say, and the press get fed the scapegoats. M- maybe the, the politicians are feeding the press scapegoats, uh, and they're the enema to the public. Because, you know, we've got to have scapegoats, haven't we, to divert from the corruption of the politicians. But then maybe they're enemies, not enema, enemy. So yeah, I'm not sure. It's quite complicated. I think I preferred it when they sang about prowlers and drifters. Right, now it's time for... Get in jiggy with it. Get in jiggy with it. Hello, I'm Yannick Gers from Iron Maiden. And welcome to another Get in jiggy with it. This week I'm looking at Adrian Smith and his moves in the Stranger in a Strange Land video. I heard him on this podcast saying he was proud of their moves. That's sort of holding the guitar up in the air and swaying left to right. I do feel that this is a bit basic. His hair isn't long enough to make it a success like. If it were me doing it, there'd be a nice symmetry between the neck of my guitar up in the air and my long flowing locks stretching down to the ground. It's a better aesthetic. I don't care what waistcoat he was wearing and all that shite. It's about the moves for me. I like symmetry in my sequences of movement. I know some people think Adrian is better than me in some things, but he says it himself about the dancing. 
Oh, yes, you are a better dancer than me, Yannick. I admire the shapes you can pull off on the stage. Can I go now, please? If it were me on the Stranger in a Strange Land video, I'd have recreated the feeling of being trapped like the man in the song. Maybe add some mime in it, like. What could it be, eh? Getting jiggy with it. So another repeat of the chorus, and then we get an instrumental bit, which leads into a solo by Dave Moore, which is pretty good. Solo leads into the third verse, and Bruce says, A million network slaves in an advertising new age. This is a really interesting line, and it sounds like they're describing the internet, and how we're all tied to our phones, sold things by ads and algorithms. This is in 1990. I wonder if Paul Diano had somehow blabbed to the band about the future. I think this is unlikely though, because it was written by Bruce and Dave, and I don't think he visited them. There's also a line later that says, California dreaming as the earth dies screaming. Now this is a lazy lyric, which just, you know, they've just listed two well-known pop songs. California dreaming, you'll know by the folky sunshine band Mamas and the Poppers. And then the earth dies screaming. That, that was a single by Birmingham reggae pop combo, UB40. Now I made and often do this, putting titles of works from other artists in. And that might seem, you know, like a clever reference to some. You'll, you'll know, of course, The Piper at the Gates of Dawn being a lyric in The Wicker Man. And that's an album by Pink Floyd. In Moonchild, there's the lyric, Don't you dare to save your son. And Dare, of course, is an album by The Human League. There's loads of these, but I'm not going to list them all. I wondered if there was a secret message in this, linked to the two songs. California Dreaming is about being cold and wanting to get back to a sunnier, warmer place. Where the Earth Dies Screaming, of course, is a song about the nothingness in the world after we've all died in a nuclear explosion. I tried for quite a long time to get a link, but I've come to the conclusion there isn't one. I suppose that to put a reference to UB40 in a song, didn't they? To stop the band releasing their cover version of Power Slave. Yeah, blackmail. I remember the line in that. Bring me the blood and red, red wine for the one to succeed me. Awful. Luckily, on that album review show of Power Slave, I stopped playing that cover before I got to that bit. Because I'd got even more complaints. I had a message from Dennis Stratton this week. It's time to put on your talcum powder and red leather trousers. It's time to go beyond the stratosphere. Fringing your eyes, fray bent as pies in a world full of magic. So don't you stray When you reach the stratosphere It's time to go Beyond the stratosphere It's time to go Beyond the stratosphere Dennis Stratton here. I'm glad you're back. I can reminisce about the 1990s. A new decade full of hope. I hope 2022 can be a new start. I don't know. The roaring 20s. 
I call them the boring twenties. <laughs> I said this to the checkout lady at Farm Foods. She laughed, but I could tell she wasn't committed to the joke. Talking of that, I was pleased to hear your chat about baked beans. I can't remember how much they were at Farm Foods in the nineties, although I'm not sure I shopped there then. I had a chuckle when this album came out, and I saw the title, Public Enema Number One. What they did was replace the Y of enemy and put an A in to make enema. Although you probably know this. I was pleased to see that Adrian had finally left the band, and they'd replaced him with a man with long curly hair. I wonder if Adrian bought this album and immediately put it in the bin. Yes. Now he knew what it felt like. They took him back, though. Old chums. What I quite like about the song is that Bruce's tone and style of singing suits the song because of that snarl, isn't there, about the world and, and what's going on. It seems short again, just over four minutes, and it ends with another Nico noise, so it's sandwiched with silliness. Uh, yeah, I think the theme's quite serious, so it seems odd that they, they put these in. Maybe some people like it. I've been quite interested in the life history of some of these songs because a lot of them were just played for this tour and you don't really hear them very much. On this tour, this was track two on the set list, following Tail Gunner, so it kept up the momentum. I'd not heard a live version of it before, so again I went searching on YouTube and I found a clip from the Wembley Arena gig. Uh, I say a clip, it was just an audio clip, there was no action. But uh, yeah, it was quite interesting. The sound quality was quite good. Although the opening guitar seemed a bit out of key, but Bruce's vocal sounds fine. Yeah, it's a shame really, because I couldn't see what they were doing while they were performing it, but I quite enjoyed it. Um, What I did notice was, there's no harmonies in the chorus, and uh, without them, it was quite noticeable. Um, Yet I haven't mentioned them yet in the the episode, so so until they were missing, I didn't realise how important they were. There's also a YouTube video from a user called Gilherm Diaz, now, sadly, that person hasn't said where the clip's from, but it looks like quite a professional recording with several camera angles, so I wonder if they released this somewhere. Um, the sound quality doesn't quite seem as good, but yeah, it's nice to see. I think it's a UK venue. But yeah, while I enjoyed the novelty of it, I can't see them performing this song again. Right, I'm going to give Trevor a ring, see what he's been up to. Hi, Wayne. Hi, Trevor, how's it going? Yeah, good, been busy. What have you been doing? I had a sound bath. What, are you, are you trying to cater to our listeners in Liverpool? What do you mean? Well, using the word sound as if to mean good, like, that's what they say, isn't it? That's what they used to say on Brookside anyway. No, a sound bath. It's a thing you can do. You can book. It's like an event. You know, do it in a church or a scout hut. And you just lie down. And you have a bath in sound. You let the music wash over you. Is this real? Yeah. Are you naked when it happens? No. It's not like an actual bath. It's like a meditation type thing. Okay. So you just lie down. So were there other people doing it? Yeah. Well, it sounds a bit awkward. Are you sure it's not a cult? No. What sort of music was it? Well, like relaxing. Like sort of ambient. New age stuff. What are you doing? Just demonstrating. Oh. Sounds a bit disturbing and relaxing. So what do you think of public enema number one? That's what we're here to talk about. Yeah, I think it's all right. 
Uh, it's got quite a different tone to the other ones we've seen so far. Quite steady tempo. Yeah, it's not bad, but not much to take it to the next level. I'd say it's solid, but not spectacular. Okay. I don't like the title. The lyrics are alright. It's quite a good theme. Press and the politicians. Hard to trust them. I've stopped watching the news, because the news contrives to frighten you. Okay, well, what do you think about the wordplay? You know, the change in the letters? Well, I think they could have learned a thing or two from my poems. Maybe they can buy one of my books. Oh, I wondered how long it would take to get a plug-in. I remember I thought it'd be funny if they released this as a single. Why? Well, if it got to number two in the chart, the DJ would have said, Number two, public enemy, number what? Why is that funny? Well, then the co-host might say, Is the song at number two or number what? Okay. And the DJ would say, Number two. And then the co-host would say, But you said number one. Oh, I'll be chaos. Vintage radio. Well, not all co-hosts cause trouble. And it wasn't a single anyway, so why are we discussing it? Have you got a poem about the song? Yeah, although I found it quite hard this week. So I've looked at the politician theme and thought I'd write a, a poem about being the Prime Minister. Okay. If I was Prime Minister, I'd comb my hair and have a shower, walk down the shops, buy some biscuits, spend an hour talking to some ladies about the changes to the high street. I'd eat my lunch, read what the papers are saying about me, try not to spill soup on my shirt. I'm doing a speech later. Okay, is that it? I mean, is that a poem? It sounds like a list of things you do, like a schedule. Yeah, well, there can be poetry in schedules, in the norm, in tasks. There's poetry everywhere. Okay, well, I'm probably not going to spend a lot of time on that, but at the beginning it said about combing your hair. I mean, are you saying that our Prime Minister doesn't comb his hair? Is this a political statement? No, I'm saying that I'd make an effort. And currently I just throw on some jogging bottoms to go down the shops. And a top as well, I hope. Well, yeah, of course. I don't think that is really a true insight into what a Prime Minister does. How do you know? There's no job description. Well, it just sounded silly. No. I'd make changes. I'd talk to the people on the street rather than have a photo taken holding a pint. All right, well, I don't really want it to get political, so uh, let's not go there. But, I I mean, obviously, you being a Prime Minister is a bit far-fetched. I mean, what policies would you have? You didn't mention them in the the poem, did you? Oh, okay, hang on. What are you doing? Looking at my policies. I've got them written down. Okay. Right. Free breakfast cereal for under-16s and over-65s. Fair enough. Naked Thursdays. What's that then? Well, people don't wear clothes on a Thursday. Clothes are ruining the planet. Sustainability. Well, you can't have people wandering around naked. Well, we'd soon get used to it. And if people are self-conscious, then they have to stay in. They won't be using their cars, so it helps the planet even more. I'm not sure that would work. And I've got men would have to wear buttonholes and cravats. What, on Naked Thursdays? No, generally. I think if men make an effort, take more pride in their appearance, it might make them behave better, reduce crime. Okay. And then maybe have a chain-free day, where people get fines if they use corporate coffee chains rather than independence. I thought I'd schedule that in for a Monday. 
You can't just tell people where they can drink coffee and what to wear. This is like a police state or fascism. I don't know. But uh, yeah, this isn't going to work. I don't think people are going to vote for you. Well, people like to be guided. I think it would be nice. Okay, well, I don't want to put an end to your political career early on, but uh, shall we move on a bit? Yeah, all right. So next week we've got Fate's Warning, which hopefully will be a bit more inspiring for you and getting a better poem. I feel that was a, a, a low point of the series. No, it wasn't. Well, I get thinking because people were concerned about Pterodactyl Mark. Clearly he's got more fans than we realised and people concerned about his welfare and wanted more from him. So if you don't deliver, there's others who will. We can't say that. I've been here for a long time. That was the 80th episode last week. And uh, what's he been in? Two of them. That's rubbish. Well, you better book your ideas up. All right, I will. Thanks, Wayne. Bye. Right, you can follow me on social media. I'm at Wayne Maiden on Twitter. I've got a Facebook page. And I'm on Ko-Fi, which is ko-fi.com forward slash wimp. So yeah, check those out. That's what they say, isn't it? So public enemy number one then. Uh, it's another lukewarm song, really. Uh, I think it's got the right ingredients. But it just remains simmering rather than boiling over. Uh, and yeah, maybe I should stop the food analogies. I think it's quite similar to the song The Mercenary which came a decade later on the Brave New World album. It's got quite a similar structure and style. And yeah, I think you could say that they learned from this experience because they've clearly worked on it because the mercenary is better than this. Uh, it might say a lot that the mercenary isn't generally seen as one of the stronger songs on that album, Brave New World, yet it is better than this song. So yeah, I don't dislike it. And, and, and yeah, before you comment, I know that's a double negative of something Trevor might say. It's not to see Dave Morey having a writing credit, though. That's three albums in a row. It doesn't have that hazy intro that we've seen on some of his other songs in that mid to late 80s period. This is more of a straight-in standard rocker. Maybe his credit in this song was suggesting Nico laughed at the beginning. Next week, it's going to be another song with Dave Morey as a writer. That's two in a row, and I'll be looking at Fate's Warning. Um, I probably should say as well, I'm very sorry if there's any microphone issues in this episode. Um... I didn't notice this till later, but uh, I think my mum's been dusting again around the mixer and the levels have changed, so... Yeah. Well, maybe you haven't noticed, maybe they're not so bad. But I like to keep the standards up for the 90s, even if Iron Maiden didn't. So it looks like I'm a bit under 30 minutes this week, so maybe I could have mentioned that 1990s haircut. Oh well, I suppose you can wait for another week. So thanks for listening, and hopefully I'll see you next week for Fate's Warning. Bye-bye. Cheese trumpet